Welcome to issue 184 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here, we take a good look at that most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Quality Assurance, Senior Quality Insurance Specialist at Fantasy Flight Games, Zach Tewaltimus, and with me, of course, are Steve. Hi, Zach. And Mike. Hey, Zach, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? A little long in the tooth, but otherwise all right. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> oh, long in the tooth. Uh, I get it. Um, we got Zach back on from FFG. And you know what, Zach? We're not going to make you do any work tonight. Oh, that's great. My favorite kind of work to do. I know you guys just sort of finished Gen Con. I'm sure you're you're all worked out. So um, we're just going to have you on. You're going to enjoy a, a issue with us. So I look forward yeah. to it. Well, it's 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 good to be here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, couldn't get anyone else. Everyone else is all. I, I wasn't actually at Gen Con, so I was oh. all that was left. All that was left at the studio, and I was the only person you could get. But um, I'll I'll uh, I'll just consider it an honor, and I'm just happy to be here. I noticed someone posted the Deadpool preview on the on the official website oh, on a Saturday. My goodness, my goodness. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely lining up with Gen Con, and that is actually yeah, I'm super excited about Deadpool. Um, and everything. There's so much good stuff jammed into that pack. I'm not gonna spoil anything specifically right now because I'd have to double check with the announcement. But um yeah, lots of good stuff. Um more more good stuff uh, uh to come from that pack uh over the next coming weeks and such. So awesome. Nice. Mike, I think this is the pack that Molly Glover was excited about and but she couldn't tell us. Probably. I think she was just submitted the art briefs for it. And it makes sense seeing what we've we've seen of this pack. It's really playing with the the templating and yeah. the um, breaking the fourth wall a bit. Yep. Yeah, and, it yeah, looks fun. And like all sorts of just fun stuff and like little tiny details and like the graphic design team did just an amazing job with it. Like from you know the design team with the mechanics all the way through to sort of like playing it and testing it and all the way through to the actual like physical presentation. Yeah, it. I'm 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 incredibly excited about this one. Can't wait for it to get out. I can't wait for someone to play Deadpool alongside Star-Lord and get absolutely crushed. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's play that game. Let's do it. Uh, okay. Uh, where's Daniel? Oh, yeah. Where's Daniel? Uh, Spot World, maybe? Fin- no, finally no, investigating? no, no. No? No? Okay. No, I've, I've been keeping him away from that. Oh, good. Besides, we don't want him interacting with Caleb. Right. Um, it's a pretty popular vacation destination these days. <laughs> Um, well, since Daniel's not here, I have to ask Steve. Hey, Steve. Yeah. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, thanks for asking. Uh, what on my mind is a who? It's Alex M., one of our patrons. We wanted to say thank you to Alex for being a patron. And, you know, we love the support, both, you know, the donation, but really just the listening and talking about it and interacting and, and, you know, hopefully... He enjoys the show and is really having a good time because I know we are and we just love to see the patrons. 
But we do have to give Alex a job, right, Mike? We've Everyone's got a nice new job we've upgraded. You only have so many openings to fill. Yeah. So this, vacated. <laughs> I know. It's, there's a lot of turnover amongst our minions. Um, Especially in this job. Yeah. Well, okay. So this job, we are going to give Alex the Osborne guinea pig. Um, uh, the Osborne tech beta tester position. All right. Uh, maybe we'll make it senior tech beta tester. How about that? I mean, he is the most senior one at this point. At this point. Yeah. You get to be the first one to try all the hottest tech from the crazed, uh, brilliant minds of Norman Osborne. Medical insurance not included. Thanks, Alex. Thanks a lot. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's fun. You know, like uh, eye socket things and stuff like that. So Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. Just hold the pointy end away from you. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, what are we doing tonight, Mike? We... Uh, yeah, you made me do all the work. What the heck? <laughs> We're going to talk about what our first villain in the Mutant Genesis campaign box, right? We are. The very, very first tooth. one. Okay, and Mike, you're going to tell us all about it. So um, take it away, I guess. All right, here we go. Uh, well, I'm going to call time. this... Yeah, story time. Put your feet up. Come by the fire. Daniel's chair is empty, so sit over there. Comfortable. All right. So over the next couple episodes, we're going to learn about Sabretooth. Normally when we do these things, we do the, the backstory here in this one, and then we do some secondary story in the next one. But based on how this character is presented in the Marvel comics, I'm going to switch that up a little bit. Today, we are going to examine the backstory of the character we all think of when we hear the name Sabretooth. And then next week, we'll look at his original adaptation because, spoiler alert, uh, Marvel re-engineered the character. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. Isn't that wild? Oh, it's, the character's mutated over in the years. In a sense. In a okay. sense. I'm going to use that statement for like the next two years while we do okay. all these mutants. So just people should just get used to it. <laughs> oh, <Lord. laughs> all right. What do you know about Sabretooth? What do I know about Sabretooth? Yeah, what do you guys know about Sabretooth? I, I know that he's a mutant who I think he regenerates. He looks like a saber-toothed tiger, and somehow he's related to Wolverine. That's what I know. He's pretty grumpy. He's pretty grumpy. Yep, he's oh. he's like Wolverine, but on the other team. Yeah, so Sabretooth was introduced as a minor villain of the X-Men back in 1986, and then really came into his own in the 90s. Now, if you want to read his backstory for yourself, it is really easy with these X-Men characters. There's a whole series out there called X-Men Origins, and the Sabretooth edition was published. It's just a one-shot in 2009. So really easy to find. And there's a whole bunch more out there. Nice. So Sabretooth, as we heard back in uh, Daniel's talking about Mystique, his name is Victor Creed. He is also a psychopath. <laughs> the first glimpse we have of him is uh, him as a child killing his brother over a piece of pie on his brother's birthday. Well... Now, and I mean, do we know a bit more about that pie? Like, for instance, was it like earmarked for Victor? Like, what's the relationship with the brother? Like, maybe it was a totally justified killing. Uh, it might have been. You see, it was his brother's birthday, and that was his brother's piece of pie, and Victor wanted it. Well, you see. It's like a Smeagol-Deagol situation here. 
Exactly. Except instead of like the one ring of I power, that, you're getting yeah. like an extra slice of chocolate cake. Hey, strawberry <laughs> rhubarb pie. Uh, you know. Okay. Yeah. Now, does anyone actually know how old Sabretooth is? I think he's pretty old. He is right? pretty old. I don't have an exact date or anything, but we know Wolverine's old. Right. And I think Sabretooth's origin is kind of around the same time because we see some early 19th century stuff in the background. That's kind of what I'm thinking here. Maybe a little earlier. Uh, but he's. I was much more valuable back then. It was a it was a big deal back in like the late eighteen hundreds, turn of the century. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pie is they were all about it. So <laughs> that that's true. That is true. All right, we're gonna go with that. Uh, but what this means is that uh, you know he's his father was very um, very fundamentalist. Uh, his name Jebediah. Well, there you uh, go. Proclaimed, yep, proclaimed after this killing that uh, the child has the devil in him. The proof of which being Victor's elongated canines. So Jebediah locks Victor up in their cellar uh, with his hands against the wall so he can't, you know, access anything. Uh, chains him up like that for years. And every season comes down there to rip out the canines that have grown back. Wow. And that's where the devil is. Oh, boy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can maybe see why he's a bit of a bit sort of gone through a lot, maybe a little bit disturbed and whatnot. A bit grumpy, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps a bit grumpy, a little bit of an annual. You normally you go to the dentist like maybe once or twice a year and you get your teeth cleaned, but he gets his ripped out of his head. That's yeah. Yep. Can't be. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. They keep coming back because he regenerates. And now one day he is able to actually rip one of the shackles from from the wall allowing him to maneuver his body to his other hand so he can chew it off to free himself. He then surprises his parents, you know, blood everywhere, holding his severed hand. Um, and then he unceremoniously just beats his father to death and then strikes out on his own. Okay, well, at least the story had a happy ending. Yeah, <laughs> his mother lived. His mother was kind of uh, under the father's thumb a little bit. She was, she did her what the father said, but... You could tell she didn't want to. It was just that sort of family, right? So um, it, it is revealed in later issues that his, his mother did live. Well, okay, so years later, I mean, this must be 1800s, because he, uh, he comes upon Wolverine in the midst of a bar fight, I believe in a saloon, perhaps a saloon fight. And he oh, joins okay. in the fun because, hey, it's a fight, right? And they, they, they sense each other kindred spirits after the fight. Uh, and they, they start a, you know, a bro ship, as it will. But a bone of contention between them continuously is that Sabretooth embraces his aggressive tendencies while Wolverine buries them deep inside and attempts to do the heroic thing. Huh. Oh. I mean, we, we, we know that Wolverine has, has gone a bit nuts and done some pretty violent things himself, you know? Yeah. And when he, that's how he knows, right? He's like, Oh, he, he obviously wants to do this, but he can't, he keeps holding him back. So Sabretooth gives him a birthday present. He kills his pie. girl. No, he kills his girl. Oh, that Thus, sounds like a worse birthday present than pie. No, no, get this. Because now Wolverine has an excuse to just go all out. Because all Wolverine has wanted, in Sabretooth's point of view, is unbridled aggression. 
And now he has given him an excuse to just unleash his fury and be who oh, he I... really is. Okay. All right. And then Sabretooth completely beats the snot out of him. It's awesome. Go villains. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, come at me, bro. And then he beats him up. I love it. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Um, so they do encounter each other many times over the years. Once when they are both recruited to a covert ops group known as Team X, during which they have their memories routinely erased so that they don't kill each other. Because their memories do slip back from time to time, usually after a trigger word or stimulus, like, uh, hey, did I mention that today's my birthday? You know, and that just starts the whole thing again. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so Wolverine eventually leaves Team X, uh, but Sabretooth keeps up a rather sadistic tradition from that point on. Every year on Wolverine's birthday, Sabretooth hunts him down, wherever he may be, to give him an excuse to fight him. Is someone around in the immediate vicinity? They're dead now. Come at me, bro. Oh, so, yeah, he takes immense pleasure in this, right? And he he truly believes that he is gifting Wolverine this pleasure. I don't know. I mean, after like a hundred years or so of trying the same present over and over, though, I feel like maybe you should shake it up a little bit. I mean, sure, he's killing a different person. There's always someone new or like there's different circumstances, but... I feel like, you know, I mean, the theme, it's, it's I mean, times some, are changing, people change. Something said about tradition, though, right? I mean. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and the gift may be a little self-serving, because, you know, he wants to fight someone, too. It's like, it's like right. buying someone a game that you really want to play, in the hopes that then they'll be playing it and you'll get to play it a lot. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Poor that, guy. That, that's why I buy my kids Legos on their birthday, so. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's Sabretooth, and that's why he has this obsession slash rivalry with Wolverine. Now, I barely scratched the surface with this guy, because there's a ton that he gets involved in. He starts out as a bit character, having just minor run-ins with the X-Men, but eventually becomes a big deal. He gets adamantium enhancements through this Weapon X program, because everything with X-Men have to, has to have X in it. He gets killed, goes to hell, comes back, yada yada. He forms the 11th incarnation of the Brotherhood of Mutants with Tom, Black Tom Cassidy, Avalanche, Juggernaut, Nocturne, Exodus, and someone named Mammal Max. Oh, I don't know it's, who that uh, is. Uh, is it a, like a woolly mammoth mutant X-Men kind of guy? I'm not Googling that on a work computer. Oh, okay. I'll do you it. You do it. Okay, cool. Uh, so the point is, there's lots to explore. So if you're it is, it is available. Is it really an okay, anthropomorphic thanks. elephant? <laughs> oh wow! Yes, it is safe to Google. <laughs> I'm going to tag Marvel at the end of that just to make sure. Maximus yeah. Jensen. Oh my God, you're right. Literally yes. an anthropomorphic yes. <laughs> mammoth. Yes. Yeah, the etymology of the word might think something a little different. Yeah. This is wow. He's got four tusks. That's way more than your average mammoth. Hey, why isn't he a villain? <laughs> Probably well, because maybe he like in. cleaned up and sort of went straight. Now he works as an accountant somewhere. Oh, I, I would think a think? historian since he would never forget. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> uh, he apparently he should not be mistaken for Tantra, another elephant-like mutant. Oh my goodness! This is a thing. All right, I see some custom mods coming up. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's Sabretooth, guys. Wow, okay. crazy. Cool. 
So that's one version of Sabretooth. Next yeah, week, tell us all about a different version of Sabretooth. Yeah. I'm excited yeah, okay. to see how those two stack up against one another. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm crying inside. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's go monologuing. All right. So let's look at some cards. So Sabretooth comes in the Mutant Genesis campaign. He is the first scenario, and there are 17 total cards, 10 encounter cards, 7 by title, plus the villain, the main schemes, and two setup cards. The suggested modular sets are Mystique and Brotherhood, and tonight we're going to look at the villain, the main scheme, and the other cards that start during setup. Um, Mike, since you gave us such a great Sabretooth backstory, why don't you give us the Sabretooth villain cards? Awesome. All right, this is Sabretooth. He is Brotherhood of Mutants traded. Uh, he has one scheme, two attack, both with friendly little stars next to it. Forced response after Sabretooth activates against you. Discard the top card of the encounter deck. Heal damage from Sabretooth equal to the number of boost icons discarded this way. And he has 13 hit points per player. Hmm. On side two, he gets a boost to his scheme. He's now two scheme, two attack. Toughness. And he has the same forced response. 15 hit points per player. And then finally, on his version 3 side, he has 2 scheme, 3 attack, toughness and retaliate 1 with the same forced response, and 18 hit points per player. Alright. Um, so his card and the rest of the scenario kind of don't mix, per se, so we could talk a lot about Sabretooth and then get into the rest of the cards, I think. Um, because the healing factor on Sabretooth is pretty unique and requires some attention i think a little bit yep yeah yeah yep um, um at a zero that's how many hit points he has really right oh 130 150 180 i mean yeah essentially yeah just a ton he'll he'll be back so every time he activates because scheme or attack you have to discard the top card of the encounter deck and heal him the number of boost icons not special boosts just regular boosts but you do it even if he's at full health. So he is burning through the encounter deck at all play levels, like all player counts, I think. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's almost like the sort of sort of subtle, not necessarily overt threat that Sabretooth is posing. It's like, yeah, oh, he's healing. Right, you, you're looking at his attack value. Oh, you're yeah, looking at like... the other cards, but then, whoa, I just milled out. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's well-balanced in this game. It's it's a legitimate threat without being too overwhelming. His stats seem appropriate, right? For yeah. the first villain in a box. And, you know, he's better attacking than scheming. His hit points are okay. I, he, all in all, he's pretty solid. He can be frustrating if you were bringing a deck that, like, does a little ping damage because he just heals it up right away. Yeah, you kind of got to focus on him pretty hard once you start getting mobbed up or distracted by minions, then that's when he can sort of, you know, undo all your hard work. Uh, yes. Yep, yep. I seem to recall uh, I brought Gamora and was doing reasonably well, except a lot of my damage was ping damage. And we were in a four-player game, so he was averaging six or seven activations a turn oh, with right. all of the, the, the bonus activations you can get in this and in the standard encounter set. It was wild. So stunning or confusing him will prevent him from healing because he has to activate to heal, right? Yep. So that, that'll help. And we'll talk about the regular encounter cards next week, but they say FFG tells us to play with Mystique and Brotherhood. Well, 
Mystique set has two cards that have a three boost icon. So there's a lot of healing. And then the Brotherhood, every card in it is a is a two boost, I think, plus there's a three in there. So those modular sets can heal him up pretty quickly. Um you're only gonna hit some no boost icons out of like the standard encounter set. So he could be he could be frustrating when you're something. Yeah, that, that first game I played we didn't know what we were getting into. And like I said, with four player, like we called the game after two hours and we'd beaten the first four. Yeah. Like, you know what? We're good. This is awesome. But then I played the the next day two player, knowing what I was getting into, and we had a blast. Right. Yeah, I think that's that is a good distinction going into a blind. So that's kind of my preferred way to dive into a brand new like villain, honestly. Just take something fun that I put together and just like run blind at it without really looking into it too much ahead of time. And you know, half half the time, you know, you lose, but then it's like, okay, cool. Now let's do it for real. Yeah, I think that's a great way to play too. Um, I do have one quibble. I got a quibble. Is that all right? Can I quibble here? Ooh, yeah, you can quibble. Here's my quibble. His forced response. A lot of times they give these forced responses like cool flavor text names, like healing factor or something. <laughs> he doesn't get that. That's just sad. Sandman has like his sandblast and stuff like that. This is just forced response. I assumed it was because uh, it doesn't change. Normally you see that on abilities that change over different forms. Mm, could be. I like I the little. I'd ask Caleb, though. but I can't find him. Oh, and yeah, we haven't seen him for quite a while. Yeah, have you? Yeah, haven't spotted him in a while. No, no. <laughs> mm. Oh well. Anyways, um, okay. So let's move on to the uh, games here, shall we? Yeah, sure. Uh, I can read that over. Uh, all right. So on the one A side, I mean, it just tells you what to put in in the counter deck and. Whatnot, uh, so you, or basically how to set up. So you got Sabretooth, the one, two, and three, depending on how you're going to play via normal versus expert mode, Sabretooth and standard sets, as well as the two modular sets, which were previously mentioned Brotherhood and Mystique. Um, unless you're playing full random or something or throwing your own in there, uh, which is totally fine. Um, otherwise, uh, part of setup, you uh, put the find the senator side scheme into play and you attach the Robert Kelly ally to it. And while attached to find the senator, Robert Kelly is in play, but under no player's control, because he's hiding under a desk or something. Hmm. Um, on the 1B side of the main scheme, uh, it's, um, let's see, the forced response is, after resolving step one of the villain phase, deal two damage to Robert Kelly. Uh, three damage instead, if there's at least six uh, threat per player on this card. And uh, while Robert Kelly is attached to find the senator, treat his text box as if it were blank. And if Robert Kelly leaves play, the players lose the game. Because you've got to save the senator from Sabretooth. <laughs> that line made me so sad. Like, I can't kill this language. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, th this is an interesting main scheme because it starts at zero threat per player. It goes up by one per player and has no maximum. It doesn't really matter how much threat is on here once you hit the six threat per player, right? That's right, yeah. It doesn't, you don't lose if this tops out. You just, eventually you'll lose because Robert Kelly will die. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, 
have Mike, either one of you, have you played where this has reached that six threat per player level? No, because I, I get scared. Haven't. Personally, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they've gotten close, for sure. I, I had a game recently um, in prep for this where I let it get to six on purpose to see how it would go. And I didn't feel bad that Kelly took an extra point of damage, but I was worried he might die later on. And yeah. uh, so Nice. <laughs> yeah, because sets like this, like, you see it all the time. You saw it in tower defense and stuff. The thing you're trying to protect, there's always a card that just auto-damages. Yep. And there's yes. no way to get around it. Yeah, so that becomes the timer instead of the um, the threat going on the scheme. And yeah. Again. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about Kelly, but he has nine hit points. So Man, he's tough for a senator. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I think eight of that are his like secret service or his bodyguards <laughs> dying off. No, it's a <laughs> snake skin. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why well, we we are uh, we said this earlier we are villain apologists but not politician apologists. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Oh, all right. Well, let let's. Uh, should we talk about find the senator first? I think that's next. Yeah, I think that's next. Find the senator is the side scheme that you're going to put out during setup, and it says Robert Kelly cannot be healed by player card effects and cannot have upgrades attached. When defeated, the first player detaches Robert Kelly from this scheme and takes control of him. Advance to main scheme 2A, flip this card and place it next to the main scheme. It is a crisis, and it has five threat per player on it. Oh, so you can't even thwart down the stalked by Sabretooth scheme. Right. Yep. You can't. Yep. Um, okay, so this is out. You can't heal Kelly. You can't put attachments on him. You really can't interact with him at all at this point. But eventually you're going to clear this. Uh, or if you don't, Kelly dies. Um, I would guess. And it's going to flip over and there's an environment on the other side which says protect the senator. So we have found the senator. Now we're protecting the senator. And it is an environment card with a mission trait. Robert Kelly cannot be healed by player card effects. He cannot have upgrades attached. Okay, nothing new there. Hero response. After your hero defends against an attack from Sabretooth, spend two resources of any type, ready your hero. Only the player who controls Robert Kelly can trigger this ability. It's so nice that the senator allows you to basically become like a meat shield for him over and over and over again. <laughs> it's so thoughtful of him, yeah. Yeah. So you could defend against Sabretooth if you're the player with Kelly, and that's going to be the first player. You could spend two resources, which isn't that cheap, to ready up. And I guess you're going to want to do that for some reason. So, hmm. Apparently. It is so satisfying to have an undefended attack go through and deal six damage to Robert Kelly. <laughs> and you're like nearing the end of the game. You're like, yeah, whatever. Let's, let's see how big a hit he's going to take. Yeah, I got him. Yeah. Um, uh, Mike, why don't you read Senator Kelly? And then after we hear about him, I'm going to tell you a little about about who this Kelly character is, even. Sure, let's do that. This is Robert Kelly. He has no thwart and no attack, because why would he? He has nine hit points. Senator traded. The first player controls Robert Kelly. He does not count against your ally limit. Oh, jeez. Imagine if he did. <laughs> oh, he really should. <laughs> yeah. And he cannot have player cards attached. Forced interrupt when an enemy resolves an undefended attack against you. Nope, it's dealt to Kelly. Okay. Uh, and, and a distinction here, 
it's not that he has no thwart, no attack. He has he has a dash thwart and a dash attack, so he cannot thwart or attack. It's not like a zero, right? It's a straight up not. So right, unless right. it's like you a dash attack, attack, like Mega Man or something. Nope. Oh, he's like Quicksilver. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like Quicksilver, doesn't he? He does. Um, so he's gonna bounce around the first player. You can't heal him. You can't put cards on him. And if you don't defend against Sabretooth, he takes the damage. Oh wait, if you don't attack against, if you don't defend against any enemy, yeah, he takes the any. damage. Yeah, so any when Mystique's enemy. out and mimicking Sabretooth, yeah, you still got a defender. Right. Uh, very interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and we know that if he dies, we lose. So you can't, you can't just let him take too much damage. Yeah, and he's yeah, going to be wounded from the early game, right? Yeah, yep, the best way to finish, I would say, yes, I completely agree. The best way to finish this uh, scenario is to let him take one nice hit at the very end, putting him down to one or two health. Yeah. Because this guy, he's going to be putting you through such health throughout the entire time. Yep. It's just good life experience that you're providing him. It builds character. Yeah. You're just going to show him that you could have. <laughs> yeah. Now, an interesting thing I discovered, too, and is you're going to put the Brotherhood set in, right? And the Brotherhood has Pyro, who deals indirect damage. So when Pyro attacks you, if you have Kelly, you can just not defend that because it ends up being indirect that you can put anywhere you want. Andy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's true because the way, in, the way indirect works versus this forced interrupt. I, I hope that's true. Yeah, you know, get Robert Kelly to the safety of that armored car or whatever, but, like, you know, with his uh, suit jacket on fire. <laughs> yeah. All right, so who is Robert Kelly? Let me tell you about Robert Kelly. I had the pleasure, or the whatever the opposite of pleasure is, of looking up some uh, info on Kelly. Kelly first appears in X-Men 133 in 1980, the same time several of our Brotherhood of Mutants show up. So he worked for the NSA... He then becomes a senator for Massachusetts. Now, he is all worried about mutants as a national security threat, so he teams up with Sebastian Shaw, the Black King of the Hellfire Club that we talked about a little bit ago, uh, who is secretly himself a mutant and also Kevin Bacon. Wait, he's also secretly Kevin Bacon, or Kevin Bacon is also secretly a mutant? Yes and yeah. yes. We'll just say yes. Yes wow. to all. Okay. So... Kelly is the one who promotes the idea of the Mutant Registration Act, he, which prompts an assassination attempt on his life by the Brotherhood of Mutants. And the assassination causes this dystopian future where the Sentinels take over the planet. They go after mutants and then eventually humans as well, and they just control everything. It's Kitty Pride or Shadowcat, that eventually sends her consciousness back in time to her younger self to stop the Brotherhood and saves Kelly. Yay. Okay. Uh, I had bananas for dinner, too. Yeah, okay. So th they save Kelly. Uh, however, the whole incident just fuels his desire to now pass the Registration Act because, you know, he, he was about to be assassinated and he isn't. So he really hates hating on the mutants now. Uh, and then later on, his wife gets killed as collateral damage in a fight involving the X-Men. So he orders even more Sentinels to be made. Like, he just doubles down on it. Damn. Yeah, uh, he eventually becomes the chairman of Mutant Affairs, and he supports Operation Zero Tolerance, which is something we will talk about in the next villain uh, when we talk about the next villain in the box, right? 
this is kind of where his timeline ends because there's a bunch of things that happen to him later on that just they don't make sense for this. But eventually, in the long run, he does reevaluate his stance against like all mutants and decides that maybe not all mutants are bad, uh, which eventually actually ironically gets him killed by an anti-mutant activist who thinks Kelly has gone soft on mutants. So you can't win. He can't win. He cannot. So. Well, you know, I mean, there's something to be said for uh, eventually, you know, you get what you deserve in some A little cases. bit of karma, yeah. Yeah, yep. a little bit of karma creeping in way late, a little bit late, but at least it happened. Yeah. And we see Kelly in, like, the original X-Men movies with Patrick Stewart. Uh, we see him in the 90s cartoon, right? He's in all the comics and stuff, so he's now in our game, so he's been around. Yeah, he's one of the... One of the most well-known um, senators in um, in sort of like the, the world Marvel, Marvel universe, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we still have one card left, and we're going to give it to Zach here. We need to figure out what this theme uh, two A is that you have to put out after you have found the senator. Oh yeah. Well, when you find the senator, he will no doubt be pretty badly injured from running circles around a table, being chased by Sabretooth. Um, and so the aptly titled uh, main scheme is scheme 2A is called uh, the injured senator. Um, Sabretooth is wounded Senator Kelly and continues to hound him. When you reveal it, you deal each player a face down and counter card. All right. So then you flip it. And um, then uh, there's like a threat limit of nine per player on this card. Get Robert Kelly to safety before Sabretooth finishes the job. Um, when it's completed, uh, Robert Kelly's defeated. Um, and if Robert Kelly leaves play, players lose the game. So if the threat hits its threshold, then goodbye, Robert Kelly. And if Robert Kelly goes away in any other way as well, y'all lose the game. So, yeah, it's basically um, keep Kelly safe and take down Sabretooth. Yeah, that nine starts to look uh, really daunting after a couple cycles through that encounter deck. Yeah, I mean, it starts at zero and goes up by one per player. But, yeah, that nine can come up quick. I do lo- I do really, really like that the developers decided instead of it saying when completed the players lose the game. No, they said when completed, defeat Robert Kelly. Like they, they also want to take him out. <laughs> so nice. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> okay. Well that's that's the main setup. Those are the cards you can have in play when you start this scenario. What do we think? It it seems a little unique from other scenarios, right? Quite, quite. I think uh, this is what we Daniel was alluding to back when I was uh, being the only one really poo-pooing Hella's scenario. I said it needed, it was good, but it needed something pushing you forwards, and this one pushes you forwards. Yeah, it's 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 nice. Like the whole like, sure, you've got to take down the villain, but it's also a villain that's regenerating, and you also have to like focus on these other things, which means you're not always able to focus on the villain. So it can get pretty tricky at times, depending on how things go. Yeah. And I think that makes it interesting, keeps it interesting. Turtling's hard because the threat just goes up and up and up, faster and faster and faster. And slight spoiler, but he's got cards in there that penalize you for him being at full health. So yeah. if you're not taking him down, then you get hit harder. Yeah. And eventually you Kelly will just die, right? Eventually you're going to not be able to defend enough attacks against him. So, yeah. I, I think it's great. 
uh, opening scenario, at least at setup. And we're going to have to take a look at all the encounter cards next week. Hmm. Sounds good. Oh my god. I have to wait till next week to learn about all the new encounter cards? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Ah, I can't <laughs> wait that long. Well, you know what? People who don't want to wait that long, they could contact us to tell us their thoughts about the setup uh, for Sabretooth. Mike, how would they do that? Yeah, and I also want them to tell us who their favorite senator in the Marvel Universe is. You can email us at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook. You can find our YouTube channel or Patreon by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane. Thank you both. Yeah, and uh, if you uh, like our show, tell your friends. And if you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Sabretooth, take us out. I'll rip your guts out. Ah. Perfect. Uh, we we always give Mike the the little roars. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun.